breath to my weary soul Exhaling all that I was holding Couldn't do this on my own I'm breathing in a different rhythm I'm walking at a different pace I'm freely falling into your hand I'm running wild in your grave Now I finally come
Good morning, Crossroads. Welcome to church. Thank you for tuning in online this morning. For those of you who are thank you for coming. Please stand and worship with us this morning.
Run for cover, but the miracle that I just can't get over my name is registered in heaven. I believe in signs and wonders, I have resurrection power. Yes, I do. Still, the miracle that I just can't get over my name. Is it registered in heaven? Yeah, my praise belongs to you forever. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Together, sons and daughters, but with blood and washing water, sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father. Our God will finish what He started. Yes, our God will finish what He started. Oh, this is my testimony from death to Greater things still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. Testimony from death to life, cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'll justify this is my testimony.
guys look excited to be here? Amen. You guys can have a seat. It's good to be with you in the building and online. I just want to share with you that if you are here for the first time or today is your second time, we're so glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. This is family crossroads. And so if you are new, would you stop by the Welcome Center? They have something to give you just to say thanks for joining us. So please stop by. They'd love to talk with you, get to know you, hear your story, and just to connect with you. So please stop by the Welcome Center. Hey, guys, guess what? Coming up next Saturday is our egg hunt. And so before we hit hit that, can we put up our mission statement real quick? So our mission statement here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the why. That's why we are doing what we're doing. Like, having a relationship with Christ is, that's why that's why we exist. That's why we are here. It's what we are excited about, truly. And so next Saturday is our egg hunt. So can we get excited about an egg hunt? This is, we got 400 kids signed up. So 400 kids signed up. That's just kids. And then come, you know, with kids, because thank the Lord they don't drive. Um, you know, there's families. And so what's, what, what really just warms my heart and what I am in prayer about is thinking about all the families and kids that are going to be all over this property next Saturday. Yes, the eggs are fun. The, the, you know, the egg hunt is awesome. There's going to be activities in the parking lot. There's going to be a scavenger hunt. This is a great family activity. Uh, there's going to be three different times. So please register if you have not done so on our website. And, uh, and it's going to be a great day. And so just join us next Saturday. Be in prayer for that event. Be praying, be praying, be praying. And also, if you are signed up to be on that team to serve at the egg hunt, there's going to be a short informational meeting in the auditorium right where you're sitting at 1215 till about 1 o'clock. Kim and Chrissy, our children's ministry directors, are going to be leading that info meeting. Uh, maybe some of you have even said, I'm not sure, I'm kind of on the fence about serving um, on the egg hunt. Please um, stick around and we'll get you connected and, and we'll join you on that team. It's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal weekend. So we're looking forward to that. Excuse me. And then coming up is Good Friday. Good Friday is going to be on the 2nd. So our 7 o'clock service, we'll have our Good Friday, Good Friday gathering. Excuse me. And then on Saturday and Sunday is going to be our Easter gathering. So Saturday at 6 o'clock. And then Sunday, I'm adding, I'm adding one more service, okay? So if you leave, please grab one of these invites. But one thing will not be on there is Sunday, Easter Sunday, we're going to be having an 8 o'clock service. 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 o'clock. And so please uh, make note of that. We're going to have an 8 o'clock service on Easter Sunday. And so please grab one of these. Invite someone to sit with you. Invite someone to join you. Uh, my wife and I have invited our neighbors to sit with us at Good Friday and on Easter Sunday and to sit with us and just be a part of our family as we celebrate the risen Savior. So please join us at, on Good Friday. Please join us on Easter. We're looking forward to just a really awesome, it's a special time. It really is. It really is a special time. So please join us on Good Friday and Easter. 8 o'clock, right? 8 o'clock on Easter Sunday. Don't forget. Uh, I want to share with you um, guys that we have uh, just a lot of things that are going on. But and one thing I just want to remind us is that God is always doing something. And so our mission statement is, again, to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why we give. You know, there's three different ways to give online, through the mail. There's boxes on the wall. But I want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving. You know, I, I think it's a growing point for everybody and always will be to give of our finances that which has been given to us. And so God's asking us to steward that. So thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Would you guys pray with me as we continue on? Lord, um, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity we have. Lord, I, I just, it, you know, one of the things that, God, I know you've been growing in my own heart is just, is just the why, my purpose. 
why do I get up in the morning? Why do I do the things that I do? And God, I know that my effort only goes so far. God, I can think of many times this week where my effort, my abilities took me about four feet. But God, at the end of the day, the only thing that is going to amount to anything in this life, no success is going to ever amount to anything, Lord. It's only going to be a personal relationship with you. That's why we exist here at Crossroads is a personal relationship with you, Jesus Christ. Lord, we are so thankful for for this opportunity we have to gather. Lord, we thank you for, um, Lord, just the the offering, Lord, as people give online. Many have given online. Many will uh, give through the mail. Many will give in person here in the building. Uh, God, we thank you for the faithfulness of your people. Lord, we pray that you would use these finances uh, for your glory, for your will, Lord. We trust you uh, with these finances. We give them to you and we trust you. Lord, challenge us, inspire us, encourage our hearts this morning as you open up your word. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Remarkable, it was the, the words written under the inspiration of God by John Mark. John Mark takes the very words that he heard from Peter. He saw Peter. Peter had seen Jesus. Peter was with Jesus. John Mark had seen him, but Peter was really, he was one of the twelve. And So everything in, in the book of Mark we see is coming through the eyes of Peter. And we see all the, all the, all the excitement, the ups and downs of Peter. And many times you don't even see Peter in the story because Peter's trying to exalt Jesus Christ. And he's trying to tell you how remarkable that this Jesus is. The very first line of his letter, he comes out and says, this is the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're not to that verse yet, so let's go back to the other slide. We're not there yet, all right? The very first line, he talks about the gospel of Jesus. And he goes in and he says, hey, listen, Jesus, uh, the very first event in Jesus' life was that John the Baptist was a part of a movement. And people were coming to John the Baptist and they were, they were baptizing. He was baptizing them. People were repenting and turning to God like they were stopping from their sin. They were involved in their sin and they left their sin and they turned back to God Almighty. And that is where he starts to tell you the story of Jesus. 
Like we would want to start with something that had a lot more uh, pizzazz, a lot more appeal. But he starts and he tells you, listen, there was a move of God and people's hearts were changed. And he says the very first line is that this is the good news. The gospel is the story of Jesus, that he is the Messiah, that he was the long-awaited one. And so as he begins to tell the story, he takes you through the baptism of Jesus and how that Jesus was baptized. Jesus didn't need to get baptized. There was no repentance necessary for him. He was the perfect son of God. Yet he got baptized. He identified with the move of God. God wants us to get baptized as you follow Jesus Christ. Today, this morning, at the first hour, we had a baptism. Hunter Mamie. Hunter's in the back there standing. Let's give Hunter a hand. Thank God for Hunter, man. It is so important. Like, baptism is not something to be taken lightly. It's a big deal, and it's not something just, uh, you know, that, that somebody else should decide for you. It is something that you say, I'm a follower of Jesus. And so at the end of the day, before we leave today, I'm going to let you hear Hunter's story. It's, a, it's really awesome because your story is awesome because it's God's work in your life. But this was the story that he started to tell. And as he tells the story, he moves in. He takes them through last week. We looked at, the, at, at how that he walked in, and it's his first day. He's in the synagogue. And as he's teaching in the synagogue, people are, are taken back because they had never seen the authority of a teacher like this. They had only heard somebody else talk about the, the, the way that, well, this guy says this, and that guy said that. And they would quote all the other commentators, all the other rabbi commentators. But this man had authority, and the word authority means from the origination. He was part of the origination. So when he comes out and he gives this authority of God, he's teaching. And then there was a demon-possessed man, and he cast the demon out on his very first teaching sermon. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine what it had been like that day in church? Like, wow, what happened today at church? Uh, guy got cast out of a demon. Nothing major. Yeah, that's a big deal, right? Could, could, could you imagine? You, you missed church. Why? Well, I had to prepare my buffalo chicken dip for the game tonight. And, and, and so I'm so sorry I missed church. You know, we all have reasons that we miss, right? And then, uh, and then that day, you know, and you say, you ask your friend, well, how was church anyway? Well, oh, it was great, great, great. He cast out a demon. Like this is how Jesus started his ministry and people were like, they were drawn to him and they saw the power. They saw the power in what he spoke. They saw the power in how he cast out the demon. This was an incredible Jesus and he is remarkable. And so today we pick up in Mark 1:29, and this is only the first chapter. We're four weeks into the first chapter and we're seeing how remarkable this man Jesus is because he didn't come so that you could have something fun and so that you could feel warm and fuzzy. He came to give you the good news, the gospel. So as he keeps telling you the good news, look at it here. Mark continues to tell us, he says, now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew. Simon is Peter. You often see Simon or Peter, or sometimes you'll see it says Simon Peter. So they entered the home. It was right after they were done teaching. What do you do after you go to church? You go home. And you, you get a, you get a meal. You have a, you have a good time. That's what was happening. They, they, they went to church. And, uh, the, 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 on the Sabbath day, the biggest meal of the day would be at noon. So they left and they came out. And so as soon as Simon Peter came out of the, as soon as they came out of the synagogue, they go over to Peter's house. They're with James and John. So the disciples are together. Next verse, verse 30. But Simon's wife's mother, let me translate, mother-in-law, 
Simon's mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law, lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came, Jesus came, and he took her by the hand, and he lifted her. He came, he took her by the hand, and he lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her. So he came, and he picked her up, and as he does, she is healed. And at the evening, next verse, uh, and she served them, and then... All right, my magic's not working today. <laughs> this button. All right. All right. She came, he picked her up, and immediately she served him. She began to serve. She goes around, and, and they make a meal. And as she makes the meal, like this is like, wow, you just had this fever, you're done, and you get up and you make the meal. Look what else the Scripture says here. At evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and then he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. And as you catch the scene here, I want you to see what's happened. Jesus is coming out and and, and he's tired. Like like you have to you have to read this and you have to start to understand. Like it doesn't come out and say he's tired. I want you to know that he's tired. After a man gets done teaching, he's tired. About 3 o'clock this afternoon, there's a pillow that's calling my name. I, listen, every Sunday from 3 to about 6, you don't want to be around me. It's not the best time to have an appointment with me because I'm a little crabby, right? Uh, just ask my family. They leave me alone Sunday afternoon. Because after uh, he's been out teaching, Jesus was out teaching, and, and he comes home for this meal, and, and then he heals her. He, the, this woman has the, the fever, and so and th- then he heals her, and so... There's a couple things I want you to catch about this. We, we learn about something about Jesus. We learn something about the disciples. And we learn something about the mother-in-law. And I want you to catch this because the first thing we learn about Jesus from this passage here is that Jesus put others first. He really did. He's tired. He's come off of a day of teaching. He cast out demons. He had people everywhere. Um, uh, listen, he, he's tired and he goes into the home and he could have said, oh, that's too bad. She's sick. And you're saying, oh, it was just a fever. You know, we only said a year ago. That's what we said, right? Just a fever. If today I say it's just a fever, you go, did you get tested? Right. Did you go? Of course you went and got tested with your 99.4 fever, right? Uh, listen, the fever was a big deal. <laughs> the be- uh, a, f- a beaver. A fever was a big deal, right? Leave it to beaver. That's me, right? So a fever was a big deal. And so what, what's, the, what's the deal about the fever? Like you're, to you and I, we think it's a fever. Go take some Tylenol and go to bed. Did you ever hear of malaria? That's a big deal about a fever. One one commentator said it's possibly malaria. There's, these were these were diseases that would be common in the area. Uh, uh, other other tropical type diseases, and so a fever was nothing to be played around with. As as a matter of fact, if you go and you you read about in the Talmud, all right, the Talmud. Remember, this was a Jewish culture. It was Jewish people. And if you go and read in the Talmud, the Talmud was the Jewish literature, the Jewish uh, rule book, if you will, and they would instruct you on what to do. The Talmud talks about, they called this a burning fever. So this was not just a fever, this was a burning fever. And so with the burning fever, the Talmud says that they would lay down, uh, that they would, uh, lay, the Talmud lays down a way that you can deal with the, with the burning fever. 
Let me read to you what Rabbi Yohanan said. He said, for healing from the Talmud, for healing of a burning fever, let one take a knife that is made entirely of iron, including the handle, and let him go to a place where there is a bush and tie a braid of hair to it. On the first day, let him carve the little bush a little and recite Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. On the following day, let him carve a bush a little bit more and recite Exodus chapter 3, verse 3. On the following day, let him carve the little bush and recite even more Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. And they would go through this ritual for about seven days, and it would be kind of a, uh, a little formula that these people would do, and it would be kind of like known as the cure. It was like a, a magical cure for the fever. When Jesus came, he ignored all that. Jesus said, I don't need no magic. I don't need to, I, you don't got to go chanting. You don't, don't got to go through some ritual. He comes over and he sees the lady with a burning, with, 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 the, with a burning fever and he puts his hand out and he, and the scripture says he just lifts her up. And as she just lifts up, all of a sudden she's healed. Well, what does this tell us about Jesus? He put others first. He didn't, he had power. He spoke with authority. He healed with authority. The power of God. This is, Mark's trying to tell this to you. And you know, if we just read through that with an American mindset, oh yeah, it was just a fever. No, no, no. This is a pretty big deal. Like you take seven days with a, with a knife out, with a bush outside and go quote scripture for seven days to your, to your fever leaves. That's not how this works. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't need all that stuff. Let me help you. And he raises her, and the fever's gone. You know what else this tells us? It tells us about the disciples. What's it tell us about the disciples? It tells us that they learned to trust Jesus. They learned to trust him. They had only been with him for a few short weeks. This is early on in the, in the ministry of Jesus. And so as Jesus comes along, he goes to their house. Peter takes to his mother-in-law and, and says, here's Jesus. Jesus, can you help her? This says a little bit about marriage. Let me tell you right here. Marriage 101 right here. Guys, take care of your mother-in-law. Okay? You see that? Take care of your mother-in-law. She trusted. Peter was learning to trust Jesus. It was the family dynamic. So Peter's a young guy, and he's newlywed. You can imagine how this works. And here's the mother-in-law living with him. And so she's sick. And he says, Jesus, we just saw you cast out a demon, and you speak with authority. Do you think you could help her? And then what's it tell us about the mother-in-law? She, was, she served Jesus. Like the Scripture says right there, after she was healed, she got up and she started making them a meal. That wasn't some cultural thing that was supposed to happen. Listen, she was... She had a fever. She was knocked out. What, it is a burning fever. This thing is a big deal. And Jesus heals her. And what does she do? She doesn't get up and say, oh, man, I've been five days down. I can't believe this. She gets up and gets right into action. Now, when I get sick, I'm a little different, aren't you? If you've had a fever or whatever is out there, right? If you've had this, some of you have had the stuff that's floating around. Some of you haven't. You need, like, time to recover, like, like, you know you're better, you know everything's good, but, man, you keep talking about that week that you were sick. Did you ever do that? Like, you know, when I had the flu a few years back, many years back, my wife would say, what's wrong with you? Get up and get moving. Oh, honey, I was sick last week. 
She's like, that was last week. I said two weeks ago, honey. Yeah, you better get moving. And that's just from one person's advice. This lady, she's healed. And she gets up and goes, step aside. I'm making you the best meal you've ever seen. And she takes care of Jesus and the disciples and takes good care of them. And she, she learned to serve. You know, there, there was a, a Scottish motto, it was a, a Scottish family motto, said that you were saved to serve. You were saved to serve. Say that with me. Saved to serve. This woman, she was saved to serve. Jesus came into their life and he listened to their problems. He heard what was going on and he responded. Do you ever go to a doctor and the doctor says, okay, tell me your problems, and, and, he, and he's writing the whole time? Like when I go to the doctor, and I, only, I go twice a year for a check-in, unless I'm sick. So I go twice a year for a check-in. I, don't, I haven't, been, haven't been sick lately, right? So I go to the doctor, and, and he writes it down. And then I get this thing on my app, my, my chart. You guys have that, my chart? Some of you doctors have that? And I'm reading, I'm like, He's got this paragraph this long from when I told him. Like, like things that, like, like I, I, I didn't think I had all these problems, and he'd list them all. I'm like, wait a minute. You said I was in good health, but over here, it's like, you know, he likes to eat sugar. He likes this. He likes that. I'm like, I didn't think that was noteworthy, and he's making a note of this, you know. I'm like, hey, how about tell me how to do something with the head thing, you know, with the hair thing, you know. But, but anyhow, it's like at the end of the day, the doctor listens. And, you know, I was reading about one doctor who's a Christian doctor. His name was Paul Tourner. Dr. Paul Tourner says that my patients say that they admire the patience with which I listen to them. And he replies, it's not patience, it's interest. God has interest in you. He is not just patient with you. Thanks be to God, he's patient. Amen? But also thankful that he is interested. He cares about your fever. He cares about every detail of our life. He cares about us. And so he listens into us and, and he leans into us and he's, he's the only hope for us. And so um, I want to encourage you to, to learn to come to Jesus like that and learn to respond because he is so interested and he does heal and he, he saved us to serve. So I want to encourage you to be thinking today, how are you serving the Master? This remarkable Jesus, how are you serving Him? What do you do to serve Him? Like, like we have Sunday morning. I want to encourage you guys, serve. Jump in here and serve. Find a place to serve. There's the parking lot. Man, I know they always need help on the parking lot. Cars are returning. This place is getting busier and busier. Uh, we need help in the parking lot. We need help in the foyer. We need help in the children's ministry. You've been in a church six months or longer. We can use you in the children's ministry. Um, th- listen, th- th- we need help in the team ministry. We need help in every ministry of the church. Why? Because God's called us to be a family. We're saved to serve. How are you serving? But I want to take it beyond that. It's not just an hour on Sunday. God didn't just call us to serve on Sunday or Monday or one day a week and like, okay, yeah, I did my hour. I am a saint. God says, I want you to serve me Monday at work, Tuesday at work, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I want you to serve me in, my, in your family. I want you to serve everywhere. And God says, you have been saved to serve. Has God done a miracle in your life?
If you've trusted Jesus and you're no longer going to hell, but you're going to heaven, God has done a miracle in your life. And he says that we are saved to serve. And it's none of this, well, you know, two weeks ago I was sick. God says, you're saved to serve. And so we we see this incredible from Peter's mother-in-law. We don't even get her name. But we see this incredible response to the gospel. Verse 32. At evening when the sun had set, they brought all to him. They brought to him all who were sick and possessed with demons. All those who were demon-possessed that came to him and all those that were sick. So I want you to catch what was happening. They're in this little town, Capernaum, and in this small town. Now, remember, it's, it's a small town. It's not, it's not a village. It's a small town. I, I want you to think of all the people coming to him. It's, verse 33 says that the whole city was gathered together at the door. So everybody was coming up. And I want you to catch the scene. They heard that this guy who cast a demon out in the synagogue in the morning was at Peter's house. They heard that he, he, he helped her with the fever, and she, the fever's gone. So all of a sudden, you start to see people lining up. And, 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 and the line gets rather long as evening comes. Look what it says here. Uh, then he healed many who were, who were sick with various diseases, verse 34. And he cast out many demons, and he did not allow them to speak because they knew him. Hey, the scene is this, this little town, all of a sudden everybody gets wind of this and they start bringing their sick. And, and I like what Mark says there. He says, the whole city gathered together. These people were coming out. And so you're hearing it from these, from these eyewitnesses that are saying, listen, this was like anything we've never seen before. Everybody was lined up to see this guy, Jesus. And as they were lined up, I want you to think if, I, and you know, this is a small town, Finleyville. Finleyville 70 acres. Did you know that? 70 acres. Could you imagine if I were having a giveaway and all the people from Finleyville gathered around my house? In that 70 acres, there's a couple thousand people. This was a little bit bigger than Finleyburg. It was like people. And they're lining up. And so as, as, as night fell, uh, these people were lining up. And I want you to catch this because he's healing people. So here, catch with me. Here's the, the guy who has a little daughter. When his daughter was two years old, she fell. She's crippled. She had a massive accident. She can't walk. There's not much medicine to help them in this day. And so he develops a sled that he pulls her around. And everywhere he goes, he's got this, this caravan that he pulls behind him with his daughter who can't walk anymore. And one day he's hearing about all of a sudden this Jesus. He's the, that happened at two. The daughter's now ten. He's dragging this daughter around everywhere he goes. And he hears about this Jesus who says he came and he could heal people. And so the word was getting out. And now this man is in line. And he He's waiting to get his daughter healed. I want you to imagine with me, this man comes up and he's one of these people. And he, he gives him his daughter and, and he heals the daughter. He goes back home and he tells the, tells the neighbor, listen, you, got, you won't believe this. He healed my daughter. He can heal yours too. Nightfall comes and all the people now, they, 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 they go home because there's, not much, you know, there's no electricity. There's, there's nothing that's going to help. Uh, to help you to see in the middle of the night. So these people end up going home. And what happens is he goes to bed. He's sleeping. 
The disciples are sleeping. He's got this new caravan of guys with him, and they're all they're all taking a, 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 a good night's sleep. And as they take this good night's sleep, here comes uh, here comes Jesus, verse thirty-five in the morning. It says, "Now early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house, and he went to a solitary place where he prayed. Very early in the morning." Do you know what time that might be? Some of you go to work at that hour, right? It's still dark when you go to work. You leave at 5 a.m. At 6 a.m., there's typically sunshine. At 5 a.m., it's dark. At 4.30 a.m., it's dark. So, wow, it's real early. And I want you to catch this. These guys are dead tired. They are exhausted. Here's, here's these disciples, and the disciples, they've had a day like they've never had before. They are worn out. They're exhausted, man. They are snoozing. It's like, you can hear them snoring, man. They've never had a day where they've given that type of energy before. They've never witnessed anything like this. The whole town came for healing, and demons are being driven out, and healings are happening. They had to send the people away, and the, they all go to bed. And Jesus, what does he do? It says that he got up while it was still dark. And I want you to catch the picture. These men are sleeping. And Jesus gets up. He's got this bunch of young adult men. It's a nice smelly room. All these guys, right? And he gets up. And he puts his over his, his park on type of thing. And he opens the door. He feels the cool of the morning. He puts his little hoodie type of thing on. And he goes walking. And it says that he went to a solitary place. He had to get away from where all the people were. And he got alone, and there he prayed. And if we're not careful, we'll miss this point. I get pretty excited about the healing, don't you? I get pretty excited about the demon being cast out. But this is the pivotal point in chapter 1. God... The Son of God gets up early in the morning and goes out and prays while it's still dark. Like this was a priority to him. He needed to be with the Father. Well, what did he pray? Could you imagine if you knew what he prayed? You'd be chanting it every day, wouldn't you? You would just go through it. You'd be praying this over and over and over. Listen, what, what, did, what, did, he, what did he say there? I, I want to catch you. Here's what happens whenever we go to prayer. Whenever we meet with God, we go to him and he tells us who we are. We get to learn who we are. Listen, he was being reassured of his identity in Christ. Uh, he is Christ, his identity. He is the son of the living God. When you go to pray, you are assured of who you are. You are the child of the living God. Amen? Let's thank him for that this morning. That's what happens when you go to pray. Yes, thank him. Uh, Number two, the second thing that you learn is what have I got to do? What is it that God wants me to do today? And then check this out. Verse 36. And Simon, Peter, and those who were with him, they began to search for him. So they start to wake up and they're like, where's Jesus? Now, catch this. The crowd was starting to form again. 
All those people that were in line last night that, that they didn't get to deal with, they're coming back the next day. And there's this line. And there's other people coming with their sick kids. There's other people coming with illnesses that they've had. Other people that said, hey, here's my friend. He's demon-possessed. He hasn't been right. He hasn't been able to function all his entire life. This guy cannot even hold a job. He is so taken over by the demon. And they bring this demon-possessed man. And they're waiting in line to see Jesus. And they think that Jesus is in Peter's house. In the meantime, Jesus got up early in the morning and he went to his father. And he's talking with his father in a lonely place. Quiet, it's just him and the father. And he gets his marching orders for the day. And Simon and Peter, they're like, where is he? Verse 37, when they found him, they said, where are you? Everyone is looking for you. Where have you been? Verse 38, but he said to them, let's go somewhere else. To the nearby villages. So I can preach there also. That is why I've come. Do you wonder what was going on there? Like, he's there. All these people are waiting to see him. And he says, it's time to go to the next village. Could you imagine if you were Simon, Peter? Like, Peter was up and down to begin with. This blew Peter's mind. Wait, 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 wait. We had the biggest crowd we've ever had. And here we are, and you've come to teach. Okay. I thought you came to heal all those people because you were doing it yesterday. And I want you to think about the guy who was standing in line that didn't get his healing. Like he was waiting on the healing because he saw God healed everybody else. Why is God not going to heal me? Because God told him to go somewhere else. You know what happens when we get alone with the Father? He tells us not only who you are, He not only tells you what to do, he tells you where to do it. And listen, God's going to guide each one of us and direct each one of us. But you can't get that by reacting to everything around you. You have to get that from the Father. And you come into the Father's presence and you're early in the morning. You know what that means? It's the number one priority. Number one. It's before your boss gets a hold of you. It's before your wife gets a hold of you. It's before your kids get a hold of you. It is the number one priority. When I meet with God, number one, I'll tell you what, I am the happiest man that day because I know that I can't do anything to make him happy. He is well pleased because I'm his child. Now, if I go to my wife's agenda first, I'll never be happy. And neither will you. I'm not living with the tail of the hunt. I'm just telling you like it is. Husbands, don't try to make your wife happy. Meet with God first. He'll tell you how to take care of that. He'll tell you how to do the dishes. Well, I'm sorry. I don't know God told me that to do. He'll tell you how, what to do instead of you reacting. Wives, go meet with God before you try to make your husband happy. Listen, when, when we meet with God, we are the happiest people. We, we are the most fulfilled. We are the most content because of what he has done. And, and we, are, we are secure in identity. And then he tells us what to do. Now I get to go out there and I get to be, I get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You, you know what? He says, I have come to teach. Now check this out. In the modern world that we live, if you were going to go start a church, how would you start a church? I go to conferences all the time. I'm around a lot of church planters. 
We need more churches out there, don't we? I mean, the, the, the world is dark. We need more light out there. And we are behind all of our church planners. We have Josh Watts up in Newcastle. We have Caleb York. I'm going to go out and visit him tomorrow out in Columbus. We need more gospel light out there. But I'll tell you what everybody typically does whenever they're going to go out and start a new church, do, do a new work. Well, the first thing you've got to do is get a building. And you've got to get really comfortable chairs. Aren't you thankful for that today? And you've got to get air conditioning. I have a friend who's pastoring out in Mars Hill. It's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. His church has no air conditioning. I'm like, dude, number one thing for church growth is air conditioning. Number two is heat. Go get air conditioning. Oh, we got to get a really cool logo. Man, it's got to look like, yeah. We got to come up with the coolest name. And we got to get this really cool environment. And it's going to be like this. Jesus said, I've come to teach. Like, listen, that's where the disciples were. The disciples were, how can we get a crowd together? And the Father told Jesus, leave the crowd. Go over here. And folks, you don't get that by making everybody happy. You don't get that by pleasing everybody. You get that by meeting with God. Then he tells you, okay. This is what I'm doing. And these are our marching orders for today. God doesn't give me five days at once. I typically get today. And you know what? There's a lot of days I've missed the marching orders. Because I went out with my own agenda. And I showed up and I went out. I said, God, you've got to be pleased. Look at the crowd I'm attracting. God says, I didn't call you to attract a crowd. I didn't call you to make church full. I called you to teach. Do you know what the job of our church is, folks? Is to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am so excited. This Saturday, this is time for the store. I'm just going to have a fireside chat here, okay? And it's almost 12. I am so excited for this Saturday. We have an egg hunt. I, we have 10,000 eggs, guys. Do you realize how many eggs that is? There are people that have been stuffing eggs for weeks. I came up, my own mother was helping to stuff eggs the other day. She's, they're putting candy in these eggs. I stepped in just to say hi, and they're like, hey, you know, this candy's too big, it won't fit in here. I was like, give it to me, I'll take care of it. And I did, I just was helping them. Um, they're, they're, for, they're getting all this candy in there. We're getting all excited. Christy, don't we have like 400 kids signed up? Or more, you know. I, I go meet with them. They're like, we're filling up. I was like, don't worry about it. You can take more. And they're looking at me like, just go preach. Just go preach. Listen, God is doing some really cool things. Because what that 400 means, all these parents and grandparents. And, and I'm like, this is so cool. Like the world's been shut down for a year. And please don't tell the news because there are going to be people everywhere up here. And that's what Jesus was like. Listen, Jesus was like, Don't tell anybody that I healed you. They'll kill me. I want you to catch this. In January, it was like the first week of January, I sat down with our team and I said, you know, Easter's going to come up again this year. And we typically do an egg hunt. But we don't have to do it. 
And they looked at me like, what? Don't do the egg hunt? I said, we have to go to God first. If God tells us to do an egg hunt, we'll do an egg hunt. If he tells us to do a scrambled egg hunt, we'll do a scrambled egg hunt. We'll do whatever he says. You know? So they came back the next week. Yes, we believe God wants us to do this. And they said, we're going to change it up a little bit. I was like, oh, really? God's been speaking to us. And so we met for about four weeks. And this thing came out in January of God's, like our children's ministry. They're like, hey, we sense God's leadership in this area. And so the kids are going to come up here on Saturday. They're going to have a scavenger hunt. And they're going to go through and they, they want to tell them more than the egg. They want to tell them the cross. I'm thanking God for that, aren't you guys? Can we thank God for that today? Wow. And as, as I'm reading this and I'm studying this, I'm like, God, forgive me. I just wanted to get a bunch of people together and let them know that we're here for some other time. And God led us and says, you've come to teach. But God, we're going to have hundreds of people. You've come to teach. And the apostles, the, 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 the disciples are like, but God, the, the guy's waiting out there. Don't you care about him? Yeah, he cares about him. But when he met with the father, the father said, you're my child. I got marching order for you today. And it's not at Peter's house anymore. It's not in Capernaum. You're going to go to another place, to the nearby town. Oh, my goodness. And, folks, may I just share this with you? Look what happened here. The next verse. Check this out. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all of Galilee and casting out the demons. Folks, do you know what? When we see the hand of God, sometimes we want the hand of God more than we want his heart. You know, from the hand of God comes every good thing in my life. God has given me everything that I've ever needed. And I'm so thankful to be his child. But I'll tell you what, more than his hand, I want his heart. And I think that's what God was preaching at here. He came, and what was he preaching? If you go through chapter 1, you'll see about five, six times the word teaching, preaching, teaching. I came to teach, I've come to preach. And I never caught that before. I've been a Christian for many, many years. And as I'm going through this and I'm reading this passage over and over and over, what did God come for? He came to tell the good news. You know what, folks, let me give you a few thoughts here today. Three dangers. Danger number one is that religion can actually keep you from Jesus. Would you say that? Read that with me. Religion can keep us from Jesus. You know what religion is? Religion is good advice. It's a good advice how you can get God's favor. It's good, a good advice how you can present yourself to God and, and maybe he would accept you. That's what religion is. And I tell people all the time, when you come to our church, we're not a religion. People say, what religion are you? We're not a religion. We're all about a relationship with a living God. We're not a religion here. If you're looking for good advice, you're not going to find it here. There's no good advice here. I, that didn't sound right. There's a lot of good advice there. <laughs> but we have something. All right, you don't have a polished speaker, I'll tell you that. The, the good advice, listen, that's what religion is. 
The gospel is not good advice. You're not going to find... My goal is not for you just to live a happier life. If you're just here to live a happier life and maybe God will make my life more happy and this and that, you've missed it. The gospel is not good advice. The gospel is the good news that you don't have to earn it. Amen? Man, I have failed so many times. I have failed. Oh, my goodness, I failed. God says the gospel is the good news. It is the best news that you ever hear. And it's way better than three easy steps how to get rich quick. Aren't you glad we don't give sermons like that here? Could you imagine? Oh, give your money to the church. You'll be a millionaire. You'd be chasing me down in four months. Yeah, I'd, I'd be hiding from you. Listen, that's not true. And there, there's people on TV, want you, if you send in your seed faith money, it'll grow. You don't know, I did it. I got, my neighbor gave me his stimulus check. Okay. We're here for the greatest news ever. Amen. It's that Jesus was the ransom for your soul. Chasing the miracles and not the message. It's so easy to chase the miracles and not the message. You know, could you imagine all those people that were lined up? They were just coming for the miracles. You know, I, I thank God for those miracles in my life. I can tell you miracle after miracle after miracle. Literally, the way I have seen his hand at work. But there's a deeper message. The third danger is to seek God for success, not surrender. How many times have we sought God? Lord, please bless what I'm doing. God, and listen, Proverbs 3 says, Honor the Lord, seek Him, and all your ways seek Him, and He will direct your path. That's what He will do. So many people have seen great success by seeking God, but God's term of success is not your term of success. God's term of success is not my term of success. His term of success is to surrender. When was the last time you had an all-out humility moment with God? You said, God, this is not, not what I'm wanting in my life. I'm going to surrender. What do you want me to do today, Lord? God, change me. How many times do we go out and we just take life into our own matters? Jesus went out. Mark 1.35. It's not just a verse to tell you to pray. I want you to catch this. He went out, and he had needs right in front of him. And God the Father said, don't meet those needs. Go over here and teach. For my personality, that's really hard. Because if you call me at midnight, the answer is yes, I'll be there for you. You call me at 2 in the morning, I'll be there for you. My phone is always on. That's why I don't give my number out. It's always on. (laughs) My phone is always on. If you call me, you deem me. I'll wake up in the middle of the night. And, and I'll cry with you. I'll be there. And I, I listen, I've been by many of your bedsides with dying relatives. I'm there for you. I love you, man. But God said, no, on this day in particular, that little girl that's over there needs to be healed. You walk away, Jesus, and you go over here. And you tell them the good news that they don't have to earn their way to heaven. You tell them the good news. And if we're the followers of Christ, that's what God's called us to do, is to go tell them that very same good news. And I want to encourage you. You can't get that. Listen, I've been around many pastors who have have a shield around them, and they haven't met with God. 
You can't get a hold of them. You can't touch them. But it's, it's because they went to some business seminar somewhere and it took some seven steps to be a better and more efficient person. And you gotta call their secretary to get a hold of them. Listen, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about getting alone with God the Father and Lord, speak to me. What do you want me to do today? Where do you want me to do it? Today. That's the, the powerful of this passage. Prayerlessness may be our greatest sin. And I'm going to wrap up with this thought. Prayerlessness may be our greatest sin because of what it says about who we think is in charge. You see, if I get up here and give you a message and I haven't met with God... I can make you think how smart I am. That won't go very far. I can, wow, maybe they'll come back next week to hear more. That won't go very far. But if I've met with God, and I get up there and I stumble and I give you the good news, that will change your life. And the same is true for you as you go to work tomorrow. You know, there's some things, you know, I have to ask God if you're going to work tomorrow. He already provided the job for you. You're supposed to be there. Your boss wants you there at 8. You show up at quarter to 8. That, that, that's been settled. He answered that when you asked him for that. He God wants you to do this over here. He's going to change you. He wants you to go. He wants you to come, go, come, go, come, go. What does God want you to do? There's somebody at your work that needs Jesus tomorrow. There's somebody in your family that desperately needs God, that needs to see the miracle-working power of God, and God has placed you there. How many times have I missed the marching orders because I was doing my marching orders? Today, as we wrap up, I told you that Hunter Mamie got baptized first hour. Come on up here, Hunter. I want you to stand by me. I love this kid, partly because he's my nephew, and now he's my brother in Jesus. Isn't that cool, man? Hunter, you're on the World Wide Web right now. Everybody out there in TV land, say hi to Hunter. Listen, he got baptized in the first hour. Water was a little cold, wasn't it, buddy? Yeah, yeah it was tough. He had a rough day in America. It was only 75-degree water. So, um, listen, he's a follower of Jesus. At the beginning of Mark, you see he repented. I want you to hear what God did in Hunter's life. Sit with me, Hunter. We'll show his tape. Hi, my name's Hunter Mamie. I'm 16 years old. I attend Wrangler High School, and I'm a part of the Wrangler High School baseball team. Let me tell you about my past. When I was younger, I was bullied a lot. I was beaten up, and there was times where I was severely scared of these people because they would hurt me badly. I also had family struggles. Because of the family struggles and because of the bullying, I had thoughts of taking my own life. It wasn't until 2017 at one of my baseball games when I had hit a home run over the fence. As I was running first base, I had another encounter. Everything went silent. I could hear nothing. And I fully recognized that it was Jesus later that night. He took me from this broken down kid who he thought he had no future into who I am today, which is a child of God. God has put many people in my life who have set many examples and have pointed me towards Christ. So I would ask you guys to pray for me as I continue my relationship with Jesus Christ. Now I realize that God has gifted me with this life 
all my talents because he is the one who has created all of us. Isn't that cool? Let's thank God for that, man. I have to tell you, I love this kid. Like I said, he's my nephew. But he's my brother in Christ. Hunter, when he was little, was... Had tough, man. And I remember we'd go out to eat with Hunter, and Hunter would, like, turn the whole restaurant upside down. You didn't go out to eat with Hunter too many times, right? He was, he had some stuff that was going on. One day, Hunter showed up here in church a couple years back. I was like, what are you doing here? Imagine that. Your uncle says, what are you doing here? <laughs> You're the pastor, huh? You know? Like, what are you doing here? God began to work in his life. Saw a lot of people start to rally around him, man. It was so cool. He'd come up on Saturday night and then comes back on Sunday. I was like, dude, you're a real Christian. You know, anybody comes to church for three services, you gotta be really a Christian, right? I saw people begin to invest in him. Saw Eric, our student pastor, hanging out with him, taking him to lunch, taking him in his office talk, and I saw Zach, our worship pastor, hanging out with him trying to teach him how to play the drum. Saw Luke hanging out with him. Jesus changed his life, man. And when he went into that water this morning, I'll tell you what, he was so happy. I, I just uh, I, I just want to thank God for this. And I, I'm telling you, he found that Jesus is remarkable. He really did. And when I asked him, I said, have you trusted Jesus Christ? What did you say, man? And he says, yes. Yeah, he trusted Jesus. And that was the game changer. And all of a sudden, you know what I'm going to do after church today? I'm going to go to eat with Hunter. Five years ago, you wouldn't eat with Hunter. Just trust me. You were like, Pete, we're, we got a whole party. We're going out to Red Robin or something like that, right? It's your your choice, so... I'm glad he likes burgers and not steak. So it's anyhow, it's uh, we're going out there and listen. His life has changed because of the remarkable Jesus. Folks, I want to ask you to receive the remarkable Jesus, this man who healed people. That wasn't it, guys. God doesn't need all that stuff. His good news is bigger than any healing that you ever receive. His hand is powerful, but his heart is bigger. And I want to encourage you today, will you trust Jesus? Here's a living proof. I always say, you know, this guy is a changed man. And he's not perfect. He's stumbling and falling like we all are. But he's got a God who says, get up again. Get up again. And I want to encourage you to trust Jesus today. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today. I want to invite you to trust that remarkable Jesus. He came. He chose his followers. He says, follow me. And that's what he did to Hunter. God, all of a sudden, in the middle of a baseball game one day, got a hold of Hunter and said, follow me. And he just started following him. 
And all these people started pouring into him. And all these people were teaching him the Bible. And he's growing in God. And, and, and his life is changing. And he's learning how to pray. He's learning how to walk with God. And, and his life has got a, a journey ahead. But God is doing something powerful in his life. And, and I, I want to encourage you today. What, what, what about you? Have you made this personal yet? That Jesus died on the cross and he paid for your sin. He was buried and he rose again. And because he conquered death, he is so worthy of you to follow him. And his call to you today is follow. Follow me. And if that's you here today, you'd like to open your heart to Jesus. Would you quietly pray something like this to God? Just pray, dear Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I, I, I'm, I'm in need of a Savior. And you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. I invite you into my heart right here. Right now. And for others, today, maybe you need to come to God and you need to pray, Lord, forgive me. I've been doing this in my own power, God. Just give me the strength, Lord, to, to make you number one priority. Maybe you're not going to be the guy that gets up while it's still dark, but you do get up and you wake up and somebody's got to be first in your life. Maybe you could say tomorrow, starting tomorrow, Jesus will be first and, and take it each day at a time. Go take the prayer journals that we have out there and, and, and begin to invest into eternity. Invest in your relationship with God and get your marching orders every day from God Almighty. Father God, do your work. Move in ways that only you will get the honor and the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you thank God for Hunter Mamie, man? We appreciate it, man. God bless. Folks, I, I want to encourage you that this place is back in action, isn't it? Thanks be to God. God is moving and doing great things. On your way out, grab one of the Good Friday and Easter invites. Good Friday will be 7 o'clock. Easter Sunday, we're adding on an 8 o'clock service. So we'll have 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11. First time we've done that in many, many years. Um, please put the word out. Invite those who haven't been back yet. Many people just need to know, hey, it's a good place to come. It's safe. You can, you can enjoy it here. Others will be like, hey, I've never been to church. This is the time. Let's seize the moment. Amen? God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a great weekend. Let this dark room in silence fuel imagination. Tonight the stars shine bright and spell my name. The winter cold chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my heart under the night sky. I'm drifting off in the deep of the valley. Your presence surrounds me. The crickets sing and trees ring, and I wanna let you know that river water runs steady flow, and it flows free and in control. Your hand leaves its evidence all on this earth. As I lay here and ponder on all creation, you made it all. I'm just dreaming. Empty room, but my thoughts are gone because I'm in awe.